1: In this episode of Idea City On The Air, Tim Clark speaks about the Old Farmer's Almanac. Now, let's join Moses as he introduces Tim to the stage.
0: So, most of us, I would think almost everybody in this room, certainly everybody who lives in the Northwest, uh, we've all just come through a wicked winter, a winter that felt like it was never going to end. It just barely ended a few weeks ago, really. (laughs) And and I found myself thinking, where the hell is global warming when we need it? Um, And so imagine my surprise when I learned that it was not the big national and continental and international weather monitoring organizations with their real-time data, with their massive computing power, with their fancy algorithms that warned us about this impending peril. No. It was the Farmers' Almanac. And you have to ask yourself, how does a 200-year-old publication using techniques that go back to the 1800s, techniques and formula, how is it that they were able to make the call? And all these other fancy pants organizations, the specialized cable channels, the people who blog, the satellite-driven this and that, all pooped. So, to answer that question, we are lucky, we are pleased, we are immensely lucky to have with us, the custodian of those answers, Mr. Tim Clark.
2: So good of you to come out here, Tim. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. I'm going to begin with a couple of disclaimers. First, I'm not a meteorologist. Second, I'm not an old farmer. <laughs> and it is the old farmer's almanac, by the way. I'll tell you a little more about that later third, I once wrote an article for this publication called, How to Appear to Know More Than You Really Do. (laughs) So consider yourself warned. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about the history of almanacs. It's an Arabic word, almanac, a calendar of the heavens, and that tells you what an almanac really has to do. It has come to mean in our time a kind of compendium of oddball information. But If it doesn't tell you what's going on in the sky, and not just weather, but literally where the sun and moon are, where the planets are and where they're moving, the stars, sunrise, sunset, it's not an almanac. The earliest printed almanac was in 1475, but people have been using devices to tell them the location of the stars and the movement of the sun long before there was printing. The first American almanac came along with the first printing press in America, which was brought over from England in 1638 and placed in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And almanacs were one of the most common forms of reading material in that period. There were more than 500 almanacs published in the United States in the year 1815. The most famous of all the American almanacs, of course, was Ben Franklin's Poor Richard's Almanac published about 60 years before Robert B. Thomas, this Massachusetts schoolteacher and bookseller, brought out his own version. He was from a little town in, in western Massachusetts, and he was able to take himself to Boston in the summer of 1792 and learn enough about the calculations required to build an almanac that he could publish one that fall. But in 1832, just 17 years after the 500 almanacs, he was able to change the title from the Farmer's Almanac to the Old Farmer's Almanac, because by that time, it was the oldest surviving almanac. We are still proud that we are the oldest continuously published periodical in North America, and have held that record <laughs> since 1832. and it's. Although things got dicey during World War II because a German submarine landed some Nazi spies on Long Island, they were quickly captured and discovered to have in their possession a copy of the Old Farmer's Almanac. (laughs) It was probably because of the tides, but ever since then we've bragged that, you know, we pretty much won the war.
1: Coming up after the break.
2: And I'm here to defend the reputation of weather-related folklore. It comes from literally thousands of years of observation and experience.
1: This episode of Idea City on the Air is brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Tim Clark. For more information about Idea City or to watch hundreds of talks online, go to ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to Tim Clark speak about the Old Farmer's Almanac. Now,
2: we calculate the accuracy by looking at, whether, looking at the climatic averages in temperature and precipitation, which are established on a 30-year cycle. And if we predicted they would be, temperatures would be above average, and they were, we call that correct for a particular place. There's 18 weather regions covering the US and Alaska and Hawaii. Oh, and there's six more in Canada, so there's more. Um, if we said it would be a half an inch more precipitation than usual, we call that a correct guess, even if it was 10 inches of precipitation more than usual. But we're on the right side of the line. You can tell that calculating the accuracy rate is probably a deeper secret than the, the secret of how we, do the, the calc- how we do the predictions. I can tell you this. It's an easy way to remember it. We're always 80% accurate. <laughs> We've been 80% accurate every year since 1792. Never 79, never 81. And I can predict with 100% accuracy that we will be continue to be claiming 80% accuracy in the future. So that's the easy way to remember it. <laughs> the other thing people ask me when I go around is, well, well how do you do this, like Moses said? And, 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 you know, we understand it's not about technology. This is about, oh, the thickness of the onion skins. It's about the height of the wasp's nests in the tree. It's about the number of acorns that fall from the oak trees and are the squirrels collecting more of them and burying more of them. That's folklore. We don't do that. I regret to admit that we, in fact, use just as much modern technology as the guys you see on TV every night. However, we deeply respect folk methods of predicting the weather. And I especially do because, as I said before, I'm not a meteorologist, but I did some work in folklore and mythology at Harvard when I was there about 500 years ago. And and I'm here to defend the reputation of weather-related folklore. There still are lots of people out there who believe this stuff. I meet them on my tours. Um, they believe that before an unusually cold winter, the onion skins will be thicker and tougher, and the wasps will build their nests higher, and there will be more nuts falling off the trees, and the squirrels will be, you know, burying them. And this kind of all goes along with the idea of a benevolent mother nature who prepares her children, plants and animals, for the coming winter. Before you deny it, I ask you to think about where it comes from. It comes from literally thousands of years of observation and experience. And it may sound crazy to us to think that anyone would be paying so much attention to the squirrels that you might literally follow a particular squirrel around this fall and count how many acorns he buries. And even if you did that, of course, you would have had to do it the year before with the same squirrel. (laughs) And to get a real baseline data, you'd have to do that for 10 or 15 years. I don't know how long squirrels live. Well, one of the things I'm here to tell you is that's not such a crazy idea. Farmers are attentive people. They have to be. A typical farmer in New England in 1792 would probably know extremely well how many acorns fell off the tree, because he's going to have his pigs out in the forest eating those acorns to fatten them for the winter. He will be very aware of how high the wasps and hornets are building their nests in the trees, because he's knocking down those trees and cutting them up for his winter wood. And as for the onion skins, he's probably picked every single onion and peeled every one of those onions over the course of the winter. So he knows how thick they are. Coming up after the break. Last winter, we hit the temperatures at a rate of 93.6%. I'm almost sorry to say that, because now people are going to want that every year.
1: This episode of Idea City on the Air is brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Tim Clark. Idea City is a program of talks about the world's biggest ideas, featuring the world's smartest people. For more information about the three day Idea City live conference, or to watch hundreds of talks online, go to ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to Tim Clark speak about the Old Farmer's Almanac.
2: Now we have, as I said earlier, many more sources of information on which to base our forecast now. And we happily make use of them. We use solar science. And this goes back to 1792. Robert B. Thomas knew about the sunspot cycle, the solar cycle. A roughly 11 to 13-year cycle of rise and fall in the number of sunspots on the face of the sun. And a sunspot looks like a freckle, although it's very, very hot. It's just much less hot than the atmosphere of the sun around it, so it looks dark. And the Chinese have been counting sunspots for a thousand years. In the West, we learned more about them when Galileo built his telescope and took a closer look. Now, sunspots have been correlated by people with everything from stock prices to the length of women's hemlines. We don't have much faith in that. We think there's reason to believe, though, that if you look at the amount of radiant energy arriving in the Earth's upper atmosphere during the high peaks of the sunspot cycle, it's not so strange to think that that might have some effect on the weather and you can go out and find 100 solar scientists who will tell you that's ridiculous. We respectfully disagree. Our accuracy, in fact, runs between about 60% and 80% every year. And again, there's not one accuracy rate because we have 20-some regions, each one sometimes covering an extremely large area. We don't even bother to do the northern half of Canada. It's too big and too few people live there. But we're not bad, and we're better than random chance. And every now and then, something remarkable happens. Like last winter, we hit the temperatures at a rate of 93.6%. I'm almost sorry to say that, because now people are going to want that every year. In fact, our our meteorologist, when he ran his first numbers, and he uses computers, supercomputers, he didn't believe them for last winter. It was too cold. That couldn't happen. So he fudged the figures to bring down the predicted cold. And then, of course, it was that cold. It was, as one of my colleagues called it, a T-Rex of a winter. Accuracy. How important is accuracy? I got a wonderful phone call from the mother of a bride a few years ago who wanted to know which of the weekends in June in her region would be the best weekend for the wedding. And we do that. We get phone calls all the time. We'll happily answer that question. But I said to her, this is what we're predicting. You know, we average 60 to 80 percent. So just don't sue us if it doesn't turn out that way. And she said, and I love this answer, she said, oh, I don't care whether it's accurate or not. I just need a reason to make a decision on one of those weekends. (laughs) And you are it. (laughs) Coming up after the break. Groundhog Day. The underlying wisdom of the groundhog story is not about when winter ends. It's a
1: warning to farmers not to plant too soon. You're listening to Idea City on the Air, brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Tim Clark. Get the latest Idealist news, presenter information, and watch hundreds of talks at ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. We now conclude Tim Clark's talk on the Old Farmer's Almanac.
2: People want us to be right. People believe we're right even when we're not. And all this is connected in some way with the main thing I want to talk about, which is folklore. The collective wisdom that comes from thousands of years of observation and What's the other word? Observation and experience, over time. There seems to be... Whenever I tell people about the the technology, I sense their disappointment. They are very disappointed to hear we're not using the acorns and the onion skins. And I understand that, because in a time when we're so filled with science and technology, there is a yearning out there among many people for something that seems deeper and truer than science. Someone smart once described folklore as the way we used to do it and wish we still could. And I think that captures that sense of of nostalgia for a time when we're not so sure about everything and we can't all get it off a screen. So, it's not exactly a rejection of technology, but it's a hunger for something else. The wisdom in folk wisdom is always beneath the surface. It is not what it appears to be, but it's there. Groundhog Day. We all know what that's about, right? Groundhog comes out on February 2nd, Candlemas Day, as they call it in England, considered to be halfway point of winter. And there's bright sunlight, and he rubs his eyes and yawns and says, Oh my God, what is this? And he rushes back into his burrow, and we have six more weeks of winter. Well, you folks from here in Canada, and us folks in New England, know we're going to get six weeks more winter, regardless of what the weather was on February 2nd. (laughs) The underlying wisdom of the groundhog story is not about when winter ends. It's a warning to farmers not to plant too soon. It's a warning to farmers to remember you can't trust beautiful, warm weather in the first week of February. It might be a a, a winter thaw, but you can't plant yet. If you plant too early, you could lose the whole crop. Plant too late, you won't get as big a crop, but you won't risk losing it entirely. That's wisdom, hard-earned wisdom. I've been writing about folklore for the Almanac for a long time, all kinds of folklore, not just weather lore. Um, I did a piece, for example, on how to get rich without having to work. And one of the stories I heard was that if you can roll up a dollar bill and throw it over the roof of your house and run around and catch it before it touches the ground, you will be rich without having to work. Where's the wisdom? You can't do it! That's the wisdom. That's the lesson. Another of my favorite folk beliefs. This one's about, I wrote a piece once called How to Avoid Dying. It didn't go over very well in, in parts of the country that don't have the tradition of dry humor in New England. And they'd say, are you serious about this? And I'd say, I'm dead serious about it. <laughs> Never, ever, ever rock an empty rocking chair. If you do, you will die eventually. Eventually. It's 100% fatal. 100% fatal! Everyone who's ever rocked an empty rocking chair has died or is going to. (laughs) Pay attention. That's the wisdom of the Old Farmer's Almanac, in two words. And folk wisdom, too. Pay attention. Pay attention to the sky, what the sun's doing, the moon, the stars. Look at the clouds, the shape of them, the direction they're coming from. Pay attention to the sky. We've lost track of that in the modern civilization. We don't see the sky anymore. Certainly we don't see the stars, not in a place like Toronto. And that's sad. Anybody know what the phase of the moon is tonight? Two days past the new moon, and it's very significant because Ramadan begins now, because it's the first time they can see that thin crescent, a little shaving of a moon, as Dylan Thomas put it. So. What I'm asking you to do is to wrench your attention away from the screens, the big ones behind me and the little ones in your pocket, and listen to the voices of your ancestors. They're talking to you. Try and throw that dollar bill over the house. Stay away from empty rocking chairs. <laughs> do I? How much time do I have left? You've been out of time for quite some. I've time. been out of time for some. Oh! <laughs> I apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I get excited. Thank you. I should have known when you were walking up.
1: Thanks for listening to Idea City on the air. Catch Moses Nymer's Idea City conference live every June in Toronto or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at ideacity.ca. For more information about IdeaCity, find us online at ideacity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or youtube.com slash ideacity.